I thank you, Father, for being so good to us, for allowing us to come to know you because of Jesus. And I ask Jesus that you would uh, come close to us today, that you'd speak into our hearts and to our lives. Lord, help us to live in accord with your Holy Spirit. Help us to follow the lead of your Holy Spirit. Lord, in this month dedicated to the Blessed Mother, dedicated to the Rosary, may we draw close to you through the great saints that provide for us wonderful intercession, especially the gift of your mother and her unlimited yes, her unlimited trust in you and her willingness to be led by you, O Holy Spirit, in all things. I pray for the gift of visitation. I pray that the mystery of the visitation would uh, be made manifest in our lives. Mother Mary, St. Joseph, as we pray the rosary, visit us. Visit us and bring us Jesus. Visit us and bring Jesus Christ to us through your sweet, beautiful intercession. Lord, I thank you for uh, the, the gift of the saints. I thank you for the gift of our Catholic faith. I thank you for our lives. Help us to be, to, to live in a manner that is worthy of the calling that we have received. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you guys. I want you to know that. <laughs> How's this for a kind of warming up a conversation? I mean it. Uh, among all the things that I can do with my life, to have the opportunity to speak and, and have you listen, uh, to, to give me some of your time, that's like your most precious resource, to open up your time. And in opening up your time, you're also opening up, in some ways, your mind and your heart to, to the things that I'm going to say. And I, I'm saying this, that with my life, I desire, Lord God, please, I desire, please fulfill my desire to honor you, to honor your call and your plan for my life with every bit of energy, every bit of uh, focus and attention that I have. That's what I want to do, Lord. I want to fulfill your purpose and mission for my life. I want to grow in holiness. I don't want to settle for sin. Lord, I want to honor you. I repent of any and all sin in my thinking, in my attitudes, in my behaviors, thoughts, words, and deeds, or omissions. Please forgive me, Father, in Jesus' name. And I ask that you would grant me that gift of growing in holiness and also discerning and living the God-given mission that is mine. Lord, especially when it's hard, especially when it's not easy, give me the grace to say yes to you and to follow. Okay, so I I use that as a big warm up because it's um this is like this is one of those important programs and and I want to kind of level set I want to kind of set the the right foundation for it. I said in the introduction that the if I had to call this program something I'd call it the house is on fire, and it got me thinking got me thinking about some conversations I've had in the last year or two. Um, part of them were related to that book on from Christendom to apostolic to an apostolic age that that book from the the uh, the faculty from I think it was the University of Mary 
um, put it together. And they're saying that Christendom, right, Christendom is crumbling and for the most part has gone away. Christendom is an age where Christian faith or the Judeo-Christian faith and vision of life informs the way that we live as a society in its values, in the atmosphere, in the, the ideals, in the vision of life that's there. Cutesy, if you're older, you might think of Leave it to Beaver, the Brady Bunch, that sort of thing. But when, it, when you get closer to the boots on the ground, it's a matter of people feeling good about being Catholic, being Christian, um, not being ashamed of that, but that's sort of an expected, uh, expected thing, that uh, living in accord with that, there's room for it. It's, it's open, and it's exciting, and, and it's accepted, and it's in, promoted and, and permitted. And you, if you've listened to me through the last four years, last three and a half going on four years, you've heard me take a different tone. People would identify it as Tom. You are, you're, you're known for being relentlessly positive, and, and that I love that way of talking about it because it was a way of saying that my call on the radio and in the mission and ministry that the apostolate that I had it was helping Catholics to to dig up that buried treasure of our Catholic faith to discover the beauty to appreciate to appreciate to discover the beauty to appropriate to make their own the goodness and to to understand the truth so the truth goodness and beauty of their faith so that they could live. Uh, as vibrant witnesses of that faith in the world. They could be salt, light, and leaven in the world. And, and I love that. that. That is a happy mission for a time of Christendom. When there's a seat at the table, when there's room uh, for Catholics to live that way of life, all is good. All is good. I can go in and give talks and parishes about these things and, and all of that. Well, in the last four years, three and a half years, things have changed quite a bit. It began with the summer of shame and the... Uh, revelations of Theodore McCarrick, the previous Cardinal Archbishop of Washington, and uh, the sexual abuse that was part and parcel of his decades, uh, decades long in his career as a priest, bishop, archbishop, and then cardinal, and others that are around him that supported it, promoted it, didn't do anything to to end it. So we 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 all know that what happened in that summer of shame, if you remember it. But that was followed after by this period of of COVID and 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 the things that have unfolded in the last two years. Well, as all of those things have been happening at one level, at another level, there's some groundbreaking exposures uh, regarding the way in which the Catholic faith is just being lost. It's being lost in our young people that they're walking away, running away, floating away, rejecting, ignoring their Catholic upbringing, the Catholic heritage that was in their homes. And it, and that's why I talk about the, if I had to title this, The House is on Fire, when, uh, when things are okay, you walk in the front door of the house and, and here's life in the house and, and you go have meals here and you can visit over there and everything's good. But when the house is on fire, what do you do? What do you do if you're walking down the street and the house is on fire? 
Well, you go pound on that door. You don't just ring the bell and gently knock and wait. If you see that the house is on fire in the upstairs and you hear screams, you no, know, you pound on that door and then you break the door down. You call the fire department, but you break that door down, you get in there and you are going to do everything you can to warn the people in the house, get out, the house is on fire. It's not ordinary. It's not, well, it's not accepted. <laughs> it's not acceptable to just walk by and say, oh, the house is on fire. I hope they figure it out soon enough. House is on fire. If that's what's happening in the moment, if that's what's happening on the scene, then the person who recognizes that there's a fire has to do something about it. They are, they have a, a, a they have a mission. And that mission is to warn those that are in the house that it is on fire. I could use a similar analogy. It's you're on a boat and it's sinking, right? If you're on the boat and it struck a leak, you're on the Titanic and it hit an iceberg, you have a duty. You have a moral duty to do what? To warn everybody, get on the lifeboat. Get on the lifeboat because this boat is sinking. It's not, it's not safe. It might, you might say you're crazy. You might say, I don't know what you're talking about. But no, you have a duty. Even in the face of people saying, I, you're wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. We're enjoying this fine meal here and enjoying this beautiful music and dancing. And, and the boat seems fine to me. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, soon enough, it'll become apparent, right? When In the boat analogy, it'll become apparent when things start tipping that, yeah, you know what? Everything's not right here, and maybe we need to make our way to a lifeboat. So when I think about this moment in the life of the church, in the life of the Catholic Church here in the state of Washington or in my listening voice, I'm one of those guys who believes the house is on fire. The boat is sinking. And if you act as you have been acting, if you live as you have been living, you're going to see the destruction of the household that you're living in. You're going to see the, you're going to go down with the ship. You're going to be left uh, without a boat because it will have sunk. And let me translate those, let me translate those like realities. What does it mean to say your, your house is burnt down or the ship is sunk? Well, what it, what it means on the one hand is that if we could just continue to take ordinary efforts to do things like raise our kids in the Catholic faith and do the ordinary things that parents have done uh, in, in a time of Christendom, in a time of Christendom, yeah, I send my kids to Catholic schools and K through 12, if I can, I'm active in the church, and then I send them off to a Catholic college. The likelihood that they're going to come back practicing Catholic is less than 15%. Now, that's not just like a little failure. Like when my kids, they have what are called attention grabbers. Uh, so we get notice, we get notifications in the email when our kids score below a 70. 
when a kid scored below a 70 on a test or on a homework assignment, a quiz, it generates an attention grabber. And that's what it's called in the email, attention grabber. And it identifies the particular homework assignment, quiz, or test where my son or daughter has gotten less than a 70. Because if you get less than a 70, you know what? You better pay attention. Something happened there. And let's, let's get on that. Let's make sure that this is not going to fall further and farther afield. And, you know, the grades will get worse. We're talking a 15, not a 70. That's a C, C minus. Not a 60. That's barely passing. Lowest passing grade, right? It's not even an, I mean, what's an F, right? <laughs> you get a 50, 40, 30, 20, 15. It's actually 14 is the percentage. 14% that your kid growing up in a Catholic home by the time they're 25 is going to self-identify as a Catholic. Now, that just is like a number. It doesn't really mean a lot. But when I see and hear the looks on the faces and, and the, the, uh, the cry in the voice, the, the, the plea in the voice, what do I do? My son or daughter was brought up in this Catholic home, lived this Catholic life, went off to this Catholic school, and then came back. And now they're married to someone who's not Catholic. Oh, actually, they're, they're just living together. Or they had kids, and they're, they're not baptizing the kids. Or they're not self-identifying as Catholic or as Christians. They're, they're nuns. They're, they're not practicing any faith. And um, they, they have no intention of living accord with the fullness of the church's teaching. Is that a problem? Is that an issue? That, I think, was one of the most difficult, gut-wrenching things that I would face. This is now 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Those would be the questions that I would get. What happened? What did I do wrong? What more could I have done? What was going on here? I, I was doing all the things that, that seemed to be the right thing to do, and somehow my kids ended up like that. What happened? And, and there's this sort of uh, unspoken sense of, did the church let me down? Did the schools let me down? Did my parish let me down? Did the college let me down? Why didn't they do a better job of fostering and deepening the actual faith life of my kids? This is a terrible pain in the hearts of, of grandparents today. More on this in a minute, because there's a whole other level of pain. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So I use the analogy of the house is on fire and the, 
and the boat is sinking. If the boat is sinking, you need to get on another boat. Uh, and actually, you just heard a mention of me doing real estate now. And it's really, it's not really much at all about buying and selling homes. It's about helping families make a move to preserve their family's life. I mentioned this concept of another pain just before the break. And this is where my story comes in. The house is on fire. The boat is sinking. And there are um, a number of folks listening to the program who are like, uh, Tom, you just got to chill out a bit. <laughs> Let me go to my story. So it was in May of 2019, sunny day. It was a sunny Sunday afternoon. Beautiful day. Uh, we were in um, Burien, Normandy Park, right near the airport at SeaTac. Uh, in the Puget Sound area. And it was a flag football game. We were on the sidelines and I was watching my then sixth grade son play on his team. And so we're on the sidelines watching the game and just chatting with parents that are there, parents that are teammates. And we were talking to one of my son's best friends from the Catholic school. This was a, it was actually, the team was formed from the kids at the Catholic school in their grade. And we we're talking together. And remember now, it's this beautiful, sunny day. The weather is perfect. Spring, late spring weather. And, uh, and, and I said to her, yeah, well, we're moving. Where are you moving? Well, to eastern Washington, Spokane, northern Idaho, somewhere between Spokane and Coeur d'Alene in that area. And she's like, well, why would you do that? Why would you move? And I said, God. <laughs> now, maybe this is being dramatic. God. We're moving because of God. And, and she kind of looks at me and I said, well, we're moving because of our faith in God. Now, remember now, this is a woman who goes to the Catholic school, right? Her, their kids go to the Catholic school, and they're Catholic. And so I said, well, we're moving so that our kids will have a chance to flourish in their life of faith. That living here, we're living in the midst of an environment that is toxic to faith. It's an environment where our kids' faith is being drained from them. That they won't flourish here that in fact, they're having an anti-gospel be poured into their lives that will destroy their innocence, their purity, and their belief in God. And we will not settle for that. We must take more vigorous action. We're moving. And again, the look on her face was, man, look around. It's like a beautiful like field that we're at here, the sports field, and look at all these teams playing on the field, and it's a bright sunny day on a sunny, uh, sunny Sunday in, in May in, in the Seattle area, and families are smiling and laughing, and the, the worst thing happening around here is that the ref is making bad calls, or maybe the coach was actually making terrible plays. <laughs> And, and and she was looking at me like, I have no idea what you are talking about. Everything just looks really 
good. It's really not that bad, Tom. And the interesting thing was, was that she didn't have a high schooler yet. And I had four high schoolers. I think I had three and a graduate at the time. Yeah, I did. I had three and one that had just graduated. And, and so I had, and this was graduated from the best Catholic high school in the Archdiocese of Seattle at the time, not any longer, but at the time. Kennedy Catholic was the best Catholic high school in the, in the Archdiocese of Seattle. I had never send or recommend kids to go to Kennedy Catholic, but not now. Then I was recruiting families to go there and watched as my kids had their faith attacked, undermined, and then cleverly intimidated against them living their Catholic faith at this best school. And it wasn't because of the teachers. It wasn't because of the administration. It was because the majority of the kids that were there were not practicing Catholics. Even the Catholics, the, self, you know, the self-identifying kids who came from homes that were Catholic weren't practicing their faith. That was a minority of kids who brought a Catholic vision into the school. And so what was the vision that these other kids had that was having such an influence? Well, it was anti-Catholic in its vision of sex and sexuality, in its vision of marriage, in its vision of the life issues from conception until natural death. You can identify all the big, you know, the biggies in terms of what was politically correct even just, you know, three and a half years ago compared to today. And it's just gotten so much worse today. It's gotten so much worse post uh, twenty twenty with COVID and all of the the stuff that's erupted over there in the Puget Sound area, and uh, and and it was it, it, now with this transgender ideology, it's just demonic what what it is doing to just destroy the innocence of kids' lives and leading them into so many pl- dark places, and it, this is what's washing over the kids. This is what's fire hosing the kids into a whole different way of life. And so that's what was happening to these kids and frankly to to kids that are act, that are accessing the internet and especially social media platforms with any regularity. The impurity, the pornography, the uh the 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 harsh you know, negative, dark attitudes, violence, language, uh, the, 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 the depressing, anxiety-bringing social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok that influence these kids down dark ways of looking at life. And parents don't have a clue. The great majority of parents don't have a clue about what is on these platforms that's what's on these platforms, that what their kids are being exposed to and what these kids are, are drinking in and how it's impacting their lives. And if they, they see the impacts, if they see some of the negative effects, they don't know what to do about it. That's why I said the house is on fire. That's why I said the house is on fire is what, what I was saying to the, to the mom. I said, you know, you think you're living in a neighborhood and, and your house is fine. It's on fire. And, and I guess I could say it this way. If it's not on fire yet, there's a fire down the street, and it's coming house to house. <laughs> or some of the people that you let into the house, it's going to 
bring a fire into your home. Maybe some of those platforms, those social media platforms, it's going to bring a fire into your home. It's going to be tremendously destructive. And here's what I know from Scripture, and here's what I know from our Catholic tradition. If the Lord has granted eyes to see a devastation that's occurring, and the one granted the eyes to see doesn't do something about it, then that person's responsible. If you have been granted the eyes to see that there's a house on fire and you walk by it, if you have the eyes to, to recognize that the boat is sinking and you don't do what you can to get people onto lifeboats, then you share in the guilt, the responsibility for not taking action. And so three and a half years ago, a, at least a portion of my programming on the radio has shifted from being uh, relentlessly uh, positive to being reverently prophetic. Reverently prophetic. And, and that means speaking up in ways that not always comfortable, not always easy. It's not easy to stand on the sideline, look someone in the eyes, and they say, life is good. And looking back and at them and saying, there's so much about life that's good, and you have so much to be grateful for. But if you don't take vigorous, rigorous, consistent, courageous action, you're going to lose your kids. You're gonna lose, they're going to lose their faith. They're going to lose their innocence. Their minds are going to be malformed, demonically informed by an anti-gospel, anti-Catholic vision of life. That's going to happen, statistically. It's just not even a question. But it, this isn't about statistics. This is about faces and names. This is about real human damage. But it doesn't have to be. There are lifeboats. You can flee that house that's on fire. You can go to another house. You can get off that boat. You can get onto a lifeboat. You can get your kids onto a lifeboat. And there are many ways to do that. Many ways. So when I talk about how can you recognize the fires that are on in, in your house right now? Or where is the hole in the boat? I want to kind of kind of patch that hole so that we don't sink as a family, you've got to learn more about the digital realm and this digital generation. So a week from Saturday, on the 22nd, I am giving a workshop along with Kerry called Parenting the Digital Generation. It's at St. Mary's in Spokane Valley. It's three, it's a whole morning, 8.30 until 1. Starts with mass at 8.30, goes until 1 o'clock. Parenting the digital generation. It's free. That's right. It's a free workshop. And I am not going to just bore you with all the statistics that will depress you quickly and make your eyes glaze over. There are some shocking statistics that ought to be mentioned that will highlight how severe the problem is, just how much like the house really is on fire, things that we don't really appreciate. So if you go, you could take a look at um, research studies 
about even Christians. So these are drawn from the Barna Group and Covenant Eyes. So Covenant Eyes, you probably are aware, is an online platform that helps address the issue of internet pornography. But the Barna Group does lots of research, especially around faith-based communities and attitudes towards faith and religion. Um, And they have done so for decades. So the Barna Group and Covenant Eyes, here's, here's what they say. This is like shocking. Over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. That's like, what, one in eight? Regular visitors to porn sites. Um, Here's one that 56, no, sorry, 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Okay, did you hear that number? 68%. That's like almost 7 out of 10 of church-going men. Okay, so to be a church-going man says something today. It means that you self-identify with the practice of a Catholic or Christian faith, so much so that you're going to church on a Sunday. And of those men, those men, 68 out of 100, almost 7 out of 10, view porn on a regular basis. And half of the pastors, 50%. Now, pastors means Catholic priests and Protestant ministers, right? I don't have it broken down into more than that. And what about 18 to 24-year-olds? 18 to 24. 76% actively search for porn. 76%. Three out of four. You have an 18-year-old? a 24-year-old. Three out of four of them are searching for porn. Uh, Last one. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. So it's just, that's just one tiny issue. And and I'm, I'm just highlighting that, but there's so much more to say than that. But is the house on fire? What does that what does that issue, what does that reality actually do to kids when they're exposed to pornography? I'm going to I'm going to get into that more. I'm going to get into I'm going to dig into what am I going to be talking about at this parenting the digital generation that's on Saturday, October the 22nd, 8:30 in the morning until one in the afternoon. There'll be a break in there. Three talks. Carrie, my wife and I are going to talk, and we're going to talk about actually parenting the digital generation. We're going to have a talk on what about us? What about us, the parents? And and explore the concept of internet addiction, not just porn, but internet addiction. How addicted are you to your smartphone? Can how, how often and how long can you go without accessing digital media, the digital world? It's stunning to start reflecting on know thyself, know what it is that's happening inside of you. And, and then we're going to dig into the, the, some of the effects of that. But then we're going to dig into what do we do about this? How do we actually shepherd our kids? And what, what have Carrie and I done? So we have uh, teens. We've got, what, seven of our nine kids are now teenage and above. So we've lived through this entire rise of the smartphone era. And, and it hasn't been pretty or perfect. 
but we're willing to share the battles and the stories of what we've done and what we've learned and what we've taught and uh, what others have done to help you help your kids navigate the, these digital realms. And it's not for the faint of heart. And then there's going to be a talk on the practices. Like, okay, take out the phone. How do you lock that phone down? How do you lock down your internet? How do you lock down Wi-Fi? What are the apps that uh, Xfinity provides and Apple provides and uh, and uh, Samsung provides? So getting into the the, con- the nuts and bolts as well. We're, we're going to get into some of that, and we're going to point you to lots of resources to go further into that. But this is one of those workshops. Again, it's free. It's Saturday, October the 22nd, from 8.30 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon, three workshops. Carrie and I will be teaching and talking and interacting with you on parenting the digital generation. The house is on fire. The ship is sinking. We're going to help you put the fire out. We're going to help you patch the boat. It's just, there's too much at stake in the lives of your kids to not learn more and get better equipped. We're making it available. We are making it available. If you're on the West side, we're going to record these talks and make them available to you in a digital format. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. If this is a program you want to share, I encourage you to go to the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. You can get to it by going to Apple Podcasts, the Dr. Tom Curran podcast, or just go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org, and you can access the um, this podcast. You can share it. If, if you enjoy it, I encourage you, please uh, subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review. Give it a review so that other people can also learn about it. The more that uh, folks review it, the more that it becomes visible to other people. So um, the, these are talks, Carrie and I have given these talks um, about parenting the digital generation since, well, let's see, almost, I'd say 10 years now. For It's been about 10 years. And it's one of those things where we have to constantly update it. We have to constantly update it, not because, not only because we have more stories, <laughs> and our own positions have changed through the years regarding what we recommended as the right approach to helping you help your kids navigate the internet, but because of the ever-changing landscape that is out there. And uh, let's say simply that things have gotten so much worse. 
in the last 10 years. It's so much more heinous and dark and, and broken. And, and yet it's, it's like we give our kids keys to the car and say, you know, as a 10-year-old, okay, go ahead. Don't get hurt. Or it's leaving a little kid around a pool that has never learned how to swim. What do you think is going to happen there? Or it's, um, you know, giving a, you know, I'm not, I could go on with the analogies. It's, 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 we would never do those things. Just wouldn't even come into our minds to do those things without preparing them, without really working closely with them to be able to be safe, to know what to do when you're in certain circumstances and situations, to equip our kids. And so I, I, one of the things that, again, I, I'm going to encourage you to do is it's not only a matter of your own house. You can do a great job in your own home if you are incredibly attentive to get things locked down but you have to have a community of friends that share the same vision, that sh- share the same values, that share the same care and concern because there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake that uh, you're, one of the biggest influences that your kids are going to have regarding their use and access to the internet are their friends and their friends' homes. And is that a conversation you ever have? Is it a conversation you ever have? And the answer is, for most people, it's just not. It's awkward. And so they leave it alone. So um, for Carrie and me, the right answer was, uh, on that sunny day in May, on the sidelines of the flag football game, we said we had to leave for the sake of our kids' salvation, for the sake of our kids' flourishing in faith, and it, and it has. Praise be to God. They've recovered faith. They have gone deeper into their faith. They have flourished in their faith where we're at now. And, you know, praise God for that, for us. But the battle's not over, right? It's always a battle. Um, but the battle's not ours. It's God's. And so God is going to be with you wherever you're at. And um, please uh, accept the fact that Every now and again on this program, I'm going to speak with the, with the lips of a prophet. I'm going to speak with the, the lips of a prophet, hopefully also reverently, reverently prophetic. Words that you're probably not going to have many other people speak into your life. They're, they're just not going to feel that sense of permission or freedom to say, you know, I'm not sure you want to let your kids do that or have that or hang around there. Or, are you doing anything to monitor the use of this or that? Not a lot of people are going to do that in your life. And it's one of those sadnesses where it's like, where was everybody? Where were, where were the leaders? Where were the leaders inspiring us to a higher way, a better way, a different way, uh, to, to do something to rescue our kids, to, to protect our kids, to help lead our kids into a higher ground, healthier, a healthier place. Well, one of the exciting things about this time of year is that there are a lot of events going on, a lot of faith-filled events, retreats. There's a men's retreat coming up here in 
Coeur d'Alene, I've heard they have over 150 guys coming. That's amazing. That was the Father Wade Menesis. He was on a couple of times here. And Dr. Ray Garendi is the principal speaker. That's coming up uh, in Coeur d'Alene. In, um, I think it's this weekend, in fact. Uh, so I'm not even sure they have any room left. It's, it's, that's amazing. The Inland Northwest Men's Retreat. I know that there's a men's retreat St. Stephen's is putting on coming up as well, and that's next weekend. Uh, God bless uh, Father Ed White and St. Stephen the Martyr in Renton. What an amazing uh, center for renewal. Um, I've also heard I was trying to get on the program. I'm not sure it's going to be able to happen. Uh, Jason Everett is coming to the Seattle area, and if I get more information, I'll get that out to you. Uh, you know, he's amazing at speaking to young people about the the challenge and the, and the noble ideal of being modest and pure and chaste and exercising self-control in relationships. And I'm not even sure how his talks have uh, evolved through the years as a result of the, the various challenges that are out there today. But um, if I can, I'm going to get him on. I'm gonna, I'll try my best to see if I can get him on the program. Um, I also heard that uh, the founders of the St. Joseph the Worker School College, the St. Joseph the Worker College that is in Steubenville, Ohio, I don't think it's connected officially to Franciscan University of Steubenville, but it gives uh, young men and women who are interested in learning the trades, learning a trade, uh, to be at that school to, to attend uh, and learn a trade get a college degree, and graduate without any debt. And I've heard that that's a model that has begun to grow, which is exciting all by itself. And to be able to say that, um, you know, let's, let's give our kids the equipping, because not everyone's built the same way intellectually. They're not all going to have the same kind of jobs. And if you want them to have a job that is in a field that will always be needed, plumbers and electricians and carpenters and various aspects of construction and these sorts of things are perennially useful and valuable and you can make a, a good living and raise a family. Uh, and oh, by the way, get a college degree as well in, in theology or the liberal arts. Um, I'm excited to be able to uh, interview um, these folks that are that are out. They're actually speaking in uh, Coeur d'Alene this, this weekend. So uh, that's exciting as well. So many things that are, that are going on in the local area. I had Matt Lachlan on earlier in the week. Um, he is meeting as part of this uh, Coeur d'Alene collaborative to bring together, again, people of faith who are in the business world to be able to support and encourage and, and help each other to grow and flourish. So some amazing things that are happening in this time of year, and praise be to God for that. And so uh, I just, I mentioned the parenting, the digital generation is, is just one among them, uh, but there's more. And I'll tell you about it in a minute on the program. Welcome back to the program. You heard me mention earlier in the program that the house is on fire and come on out to parenting the digital generation free of charge on uh, on October the 22nd, Saturday. It's just a half a day. You'll still have a good portion of your day on the 22nd. Uh, 8.30 Mass 
the talks will start shortly after that, so between 9 and 9.15 at St. Mary's in Spokane Valley. That's Father Jeff Lewis's parish. So he'll be there. Uh, this is one of his monthly events to foster healing in different dimensions in family life. What I didn't mention is that Friday night on the 21st, Friday night the 21st, there's going to be a beautiful time as Mass at 5.30, followed by an hour of adoration, 6 to 7. And then my, I'm going to be giving a talk beginning at 7 o'clock on marriage, a gift from God. Marriage, a gift from God. So if the heavy talk, the heavy presentation on Saturday morning is a bit much. If you feel like, you know what, I'm not in a life circumstance where, where the house is on fire and it's not really relevant for me to learn about how to parent kids through the digital age. Well, come on out on Friday night. Friday night, I'm going to do a, um, a very enjoyable and hopefully inspiring talk uh, called Marriage, a Gift from God. And it's for, it's really for families. It's really for families who want to explore more fully the uh, the vocation to holy matrimony, and and I root it in the teaching of Saint John Paul II on the person as gift, and I love this presentation. I love the talk. It's it's highly engaging. It's entertaining. It's it's fast paced. There's there's a lot of content, but it's not it's not onerous. It is. Uh, you'll find it very engaging. So I would love for you to come to, if you can be there at Mass at 530, great. If you can't, please come for adoration between 6 and 7. Father Lewis is launching uh, something that, I don't know exactly what they're calling it. They might be calling it Mercy Night. Um, or it's a night of sort of beautiful prayer and song during the time of adoration. So Father Lewis and his director of evangelization, JJ, were over our house for dinner, and we were talking about some of their vision for these Friday nights once a month on the third Friday of the month. And this is the first one. They're kicking it off on the 21st. So come on out for that, 6 to 7, a beautiful hour of adoration. And then 7 o'clock, I will be, uh, I will be giving this talk on uh, marriage, a gift from God. Now, if you're someone who has um, gone to adoration, Eucharistic adoration, where you're praying in front of the, the Blessed Sacrament, the, the real presence of Jesus as Eucharist, in the monstrance, right, exposed on the altar or in, in, a, in a chapel, and, and you have a hard time understanding how to really enter into or go deeper into the reality of adoration, come on out, come on out on Monday night. This Monday, uh, from 6.30 to 8.30, during, uh, at St. Mary's in Spokane Valley, um, I'm going to be giving a talk uh, on adoration, on contemplative prayer, and focused in on, specifically, the gift of adoration. Adoration changed my life. Last week, I talked about praying with scripture and meditation. And again, that talk will be available you can go to the YouTube channel, but adoration is this beautiful place of encounter with Jesus Christ. But for many Catholics, we don't know how to enter into it or to get a lot out of it. And so uh, I'm going to be teaching on that uh, on Monday night 
uh, we'll start with some songs and prayer at 6.30. I'll be teaching from, from about 7 to 8. And then we have some small group or large group discussion and fellowship. We're done by 8.30. Uh, again, it's at St. Mary's in Spokane Valley. So again, this is my last mention of uh, events that are coming up in this time of the year, which is a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift that things are getting a little bit more regular, and so it becomes a little easier to um, to get scheduled and, and get things onto the calendar. And so I, I really want to encourage you to, to come on out if you can, or to go to your parish, to look to your parish or to nearby parishes that are having faith formation events. I know it's when Carrie and I, it's something that we so desire for our kids, right? We so desire for our kids to be able to plug into uh, a, a vibrant youth group, a good youth group where the kids want to be there and the kids are being uh, taken deeper into faith. And so I, I just love that. I just love that reality of, um, of helping kids find a good youth group. So with that, I want to finish this program with a, a reflection on what today is. Today is the, uh, the day in which uh, the final apparition of the Blessed Mother at Fatima occurred. It was on October the 13th. And this was the special, uh, the, the special manifestation, the miracle of the sun. And if you are at all familiar with the, uh, the apparition of our Blessed Mother at Fatima to the three shepherd children, there's so much to say about it. But what I want to draw attention to in this brief moment that we have is that it was three shepherd children, uneducated, who barely knew how to pray when the Lord chose, he ordained, to first have them have vision of an angel, the archangel, St. Michael. And then after that, the Blessed Mother visiting them over the course of these six visits, uh, beginning in May, on May the 13th, and then continuing on to October, that uh, these apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima was that they chose these unlearned, simple children to become these vibrant witnesses of Catholic faith. They became the prophets to that moment in history. The prophets that would speak about the necessity of turning to God, the gift of the rosary. What's at stake in life is not merely measurable in terms of this life, but in terms of forever the most frightening vision that these visionaries had, uh, the two sweet saints already uh, canonized and the one, Sister Lucia, who will be someday canonized, that uh, these sweet saints, uh, that they, um, they had a vision of hell and of souls falling like snowflakes into this lake of fire and the tormenting screams and the visions that they saw were so overwhelming to them that they 
well, first of all, comforted by the Blessed Mother who gave them a vision of heaven. They had that to help kind of calm the, the overwhelming experience of hell. But these dear sweet souls, fervent souls, became urgent about the task of doing penance and making reparation for poor sinners who were near to death, but far from God. The rest of their lives of Francisco and Jacinta, their short length of life that they lived after these apparitions ended, these little kids, like seven, eight, ten years old, was marked by penance, marked by seeking opportunities to deny themselves, little pleasantries, taking on penances, praying many rosaries for poor sinners that they wouldn't fall like snowflakes into hell. Uh, Being able to see something, getting a vision for something, getting a divinely gifted insight into something, makes someone a fervent witness, makes them realize that they have, as part of now their mission, a task. And if they weren't to be faithful to that task, then you put into question the vision. No wonder Francisco gave up as much as he gave up, sacrificed and fasted and did penance as much as he did and prayed as many rosaries as he could during the time that he had left and underwent the sickness that he had with a great sense of peace because he was offering it up for poor sinners so that they would be rescued from falling into hell. The same is true for Jacinta. It was because they had seen that they were willing to undergo so much suffering and to undertake so many acts of penance and reparation. Will you pray for the eyes to see? To see if there is in fact a house on fire. To see a boat that is sinking. And pray that if you get those eyes to see, that you'd be willing to take action as well in your place, in your way, to take action, to put out the fire, to flee the fire, to get off the lifeboat, to get off the boat into a lifeboat and help others to do the same or to patch up that boat because there's too much at stake. Thanks so much for listening. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow.